Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Neighborly Navigator podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Connell, and we have a great show for you guys today. Um, our guest speaker is Darwin Wade. He's from the city of Dallas, and he is the area redevelopment manager there. Um, we're really happy to have Darwin on the show. He's going to share some key insights on what the city of Dallas is doing now that we are slowly emerging from the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, before we get started on today's show, though, I'd like to give you guys a little more background about the city of Dallas. Um, They've been a neighbor of Neighborly Software since 2019, and they have currently leveraged us for a little over $45 million in program allocations to date, which is huge. Um, the city of Dallas is making a really big impact in their community, and they're doing that through the home repair, home buyer assistance, land bank, asset management, new development, and single family income verification programs. So with that said, I'm gonna hand the mic over to Marty so we can get started. Thank you, Natalie. Hi, everyone. As mentioned, I'm your host, Marty Greenlee. I'm the VP of Sales here at Neighborly Software, and I would like to welcome uh, one of our neighbors um, and a longtime friend of mine in the industry. We go way back. Uh, welcome, Darwin Wade, to the Neighborly Navigator podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, Marty. Thanks. Thanks for the invite. Glad to be here with you and Natalie today. Hey, I'm Darwin Wade. I am um, I was born in a small town in St. Augustine, Texas, small East Texas town, about 2,000 people. Uh, went to college at Stephen F. Austin State University right there, uh, right in the same uh, vicinity of my small town. And, you know, graduated college in 2001, and I got my first gig working for a community housing development organization. I didn't know anything about housing at the time. And uh, my Sunday school teacher just, you know, Knew I was looking for a job fresh out of college and told me to go apply. And that's how I got my uh, uh, feet wet with grants and federal programs and did that for a number of years. Um, left there in about two year time span and went to work for a council of regional government um, here in Texas, which is one of the 12 COGS here. It was a regional housing authority. Uh, worked there for about two years in the housing authority with Section 8. Uh, clients and I pretty much administered the housing choice voucher homeownership program for about two years there and just really uh, got my feet wet more so in you know uh, homeownership, second homeownership, you know a lot of trainings around homebuyer education, homeownership counseling. Um, really loved what I was doing and just wanted to stick with public service so I did that for a number of years. Then I eventually moved to the DFW area. I worked for the city of Grand Prairie for nine years. Um, administered the NSP program for them back in 2008, which was a great, uh, a great resume builder for me because I got you know a lot of no, no, notoriety uh, from that program and just the great things that we did with those NSP dollars back in 2008, 2009. Um, did that for about nine years and then left and went to the city of Arlington and, uh, you know, had a great time span with the city of Arlington, uh, ministering TDBG home, ESG, and CARES Act funding along with home art funding that the city uh, received during that time. And did that for about seven years. And now I'm in the great city of Dallas, Texas, uh, in the housing department, 
you know, just kind of doing everything with development and redevelopment for the city and having a great time working with developers, you know, uh, just increasing the amount of affordable housing in the city and just, you know, just loving what I do. That's awesome, Darwin. Thanks for sharing. I mean, just thinking back, you know, a couple of the highlights you shared there is one first, man, you've done a lot in this industry. And so I'm sure you're, you have a wealth of knowledge to share with our neighbors and our podcast listeners. Um, so we're super excited to have you on. I will, a couple comments. I will just say that you put on one heck of a conference. I went to the conference you hosted in Arlington um, for NCDA, and that was amazing. You guys did an awesome job there. And um, certainly I've seen you at other conferences, you know, throughout the years and, it's um it's always an honor to to speak with you. I noticed also that you started at Grand Prairie. Um, I've been to Arlington, and then now you're with Dallas. All three of those communities all use Neighborly software, which is awesome. I mean, you I, I don't know if there's another awesome. one of our you know like someone like you that can say that. I don't know if we have somebody that's been to three different cities that have all used our software that currently is using our software. So uh, we're super, super excited to highlight that as well. But, you know, the topic of today's discussion is, you know, uh, from surviving to thriving, moving forward with lessons learned after COVID-19. And so we're curious, you know, uh, to give us some, you know, some context um, about, maybe some of your experience, you know, with the city of Dallas and how they've used their program dollars to impact the community with whether it's, you know, emergency assistance money, uh, home ARP, um, you know, CARES Act money, you know, what's some of the, um, how Dallas uh, managing all of that? Well, the city of Dallas, of course, we, we, we have a great amount of funding a lot of funds have came through the city of dallas as it relates to cares act as it relates to home art uh, you know there's a lot of funding that we have put on the ground as it relates to our uh, infrastructure projects uh, just to highlight a project that i'm currently working on it's uh, it's arpa funding that we have provided a developer with infrastructure improvement funds to um, spur a affordable housing subdivision here in one of the uh, historic areas of Dallas called Pleasant Grove. So the developer is getting about uh, about $2 million in infrastructure improvement funds through ARPA uh, to help him with about 125 affordable homes for Dallas residents. So that's one project that we're, that we're doing. We also have other funds that we're putting into historic neighborhoods around Dallas, such as Joppy, the Joppy neighborhood, uh, the historic 10th Street. We're putting ARPA dollars into those neighborhoods to help those families either rehab their homes or repair those homes. So um, a lot of lot, lot of great work has been done in the city of Dallas, of course, with CARES Act funding. Uh, we're providing funds to subrecipients and nonprofits for public services and things like that. So a lot of a lot of funds is coming through, and we're doing a lot of great things here in Dallas. Would you say um, some of the the, the takeaways from, you know, spending some of those funds, some of the strategies, best practices that you guys have been able to, to kind of, uh, you know, use now as you're moving forward. Um, you know, is there anything that you guys learned, lessons learned from, um, from utilizing those funds? Well, of course, anytime you're using, you know, 
disaster recovery funds, whenever there's a you know a public health disaster, disaster or anything like that, of course, you know you you're receiving all these public dollars. Uh, money's coming fast, so you you definitely have to get up to speed on on the regs, compliance, and just kind of getting everyone in the room and and you know around the table to talk about compliance issues and how to get the money out the door as quick as possible but in strict compliance or adherence to federal guidelines. So it's one thing you don't want to do is, you know, use the money incorrectly and having to repay and be on the front page of the Dallas Morning News. That's something that, that you don't want to do. So one of the key things that we do is make, make sure that everyone is trained. We, we make sure that we have meetings and, you know, just making sure everyone's up to par on what the regs are and making sure that our developers are keen on what the regs are and things like that. So that's kind of how we kind of did things in Dallas uh, going forward. I mean, Dallas is such a, a metropolis. Was it how? What's it? The eighth largest city? I think I remember you sharing with me uh, in the country. It is. Uh, what I mean, what's affordable housing look like in Dallas? I mean, years ago, I think people were, you know, from around the country were moving to Dallas. They had had affordable. It had affordable properties and you know you could you could get a decent priced house down in that area but you know within the city limits of dallas what's that affordable housing look like all right now currently our um home a max price purchase limit is around 270 mm-hmm. um and you know and that's going to be a tough sale for some uh low mod home buyers to, to even find a home at 270 so a lot, a lot of the buyers are having to rely upon a lot of uh, down payment assistance programs through the city of dallas through the state and through other banks and lenders that offer uh, down payment assistance just to be able to get below that 270 just to sort of it, it is affordable the the mm-hmm. real estate market in dallas is booming and uh, it's definitely a seller's market so that's something that we constantly have to look at to make sure that our buyers can purchase homes in this market and we find, you know, programs that can offer down payment assistance to get those buyers in at an affordable rate. Mm-hmm. Is it now, as far as the lay of the land, um, is there still a lot of space to to grow and add more affordable housing, you know, multifamily housing projects? Are you guys building up or building out or what's what's this kind of the lay of the land in Dallas for affordable housing that way as far as on the ground? Yeah, there's uh there's a lot of projects, a lot, a lot of development deals that are currently going through our council for approval. A lot of them have already been approved by our council, so there's tons of projects that are on ongoing, tons of projects that are being built. Uh, I can just tell you right now, currently uh, we just passed council just approved about four low-income housing tax credit projects. It's about it's over 477 units of multifamily housing, mixed-income housing workforce housing, and we have allocated roughly about $17 million in home funding, CDBG funding, as well as ARPA dollars for these, uh, for LIHTC projects. So there's always a pipeline of development projects uh, for multifamily, and there's also a pipeline of projects for single family, for sale housing as well. So uh, the housing market is booming. Uh, Developers are coming to the city for gap financing. Uh, and that's just something that we strive to do each and every day here in the city of Dallas. You mentioned, you know, disasters a little bit ago. You guys have had some significant, um, I know on the news, you know, whether it's floods or uh, the, was it the ice, 
of you know uh storm that you guys like what any residual impacts that you guys are dealing with in dallas from all of that well of course anytime you have you know incidents like you know the floods or incidents like the ice storm where, where folks are having to deal with uh burst pipes or flooded homes and it, it's it, it wasn't expected it's unexpected so of course uh, you're going to have uh, requests for repairs or rehabs, things like that. So I think uh, during that time, we did implement some type of program to assist our residents during that time uh, with emergency repairs, um, that just to get them over the hump during that time period with the uh, Texas winter storm. Yeah. What what uh, were you guys, um, did you guys receive any DR or any money to help manage that? you know, effort or is it? I, mm -hmm. I think, well, I, if I remember correctly, I think what we did was we used a local funds as well to mm -hmm. help our residents during that time period. Cause you know, we, we have bond dollars, we have general fund dollars that we can access and tap in times of emergency and things like that. So that's what the city did to help our residents. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm happy that we did that and could, and could be able to, to, to do that for our residents. Yeah. You know, you know, you've been in this industry for for a long time. We've seen a lot of folks, you know, retire, uh, move on. Um, there's been also, you know, with with these, you know, uh, cares and emergency assistance funding. There's been a lot of burnout uh, and turnover. How how have you guys at Dallas been able to handle that? Have you guys been able to? You guys still have a lot of openings. Are you guys still trying to backfill some positions? Um, tell us a little bit about that. I would say all of the above, um, you know, this, this job market, you know, everyone is looking for something uh, greater. Uh, folks are retiring. Uh, so there's always this constant movement of the chairs, if you will. Mm -hmm. So I know in Dallas, we, 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 we have, we have vacancies, you know, folks are leaving and we're trying to uh, fill those vacancies as fast as we can. Uh, there's always institutional knowledge drain when you have, folks that have been with, with your organization for quite some time. And then you have that learning curve for those individuals that come in that are new to your organization. And of course, Dallas is a very large city. So mm -hmm. it, it takes a little longer to get over that learning curve. So that, that, that is something that we struggle with each and every day. But uh, I think a lot of cities are dealing with that as well. You know, it's, it's just kind of the, as they call it, the great resignation and folks are looking for the next best thing. Right. But what, I mean, what would you share? You've been in the industry long enough. I mean, what would you share with somebody that's maybe looking at that job announcement at the city of Dallas and why should they consider in this industry? What, like, I mean, what are some of the, why do you remain in this industry? You know, what are the, uh, the feel goods? Because I know I, I stay in this industry because it, it feels good to help you know, those populations, I'm sure you feel the same way that, that need this assistance. And um, it's more than just a, just a job. It's a, it's a, it's a service, you know, that we're all doing. And um, I'm sure you feel the same way. What would you, what would you share with somebody that is looking at a job that, you know, that you guys have open there at the city of Dallas? Well, I would share with the, the individual, you must have a, a passion. You, you must be called to this service. I mean, if, if you're not called to it, if you don't have a passion for it, you're probably not going to uh, last long in this type of public service field. I think uh, someone that is very passionate about helping others, someone that can, um, 
you know, just enjoy dealing with federal programs, interpreting federal regulations, and, and just, you know, having that impact, you know, working with, with citizens, uh, low-income citizens, you know, citizens of all socioeconomic backgrounds. If that's something that you like doing, that's something that you're very passionate about, I would highly encourage that individual to apply for any openings that we have currently at the city of Dallas. I think Dallas is a great city. It's a it's a progressive city. It's a city that's on the move. It's a city that is about righting the wrongs of the past. It's a city that is very keen on uh, promoting equity and, and equitable outcomes and ensuring that all of Dallas is lifted up and not just the northern, not just the southern part, but all of Dallas is lifted up in, in what we call one Dallas. So if that's mm. something that, that kind of tugs at your heart, I would definitely encourage that individual to apply for a position that we have available here at the city of Dallas. Let's go. Ambassador for Dallas. Let's go, Darwin. I love it. Um, I, while you were talking and speaking, I could just hear that that Dallas theme song, you know, in the background, you know, that that uh, sitcom, that drama from years ago. Dun, 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 oh, yeah. Dun, dun. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, I, I, I grew it. up on that. I grew up on that. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, you know, it's um, I was just looking at some of my my notes here and I, you know, you know, what would, you know, to put a bow on kind of our discussion of lessons learned, I mean, you guys, uh, the city of Dallas have been utilizing our software, certainly um, seeing some, some benefits, you know, from, you know, from that. Um, can you speak to any um, kind of takeaways, you know, maybe somebody's, you know, listening to this podcast to try to find out more about what we provide, but how does it, how does that software turn into results or um, for, for the city of Dallas. I know you guys use this for looks like um, a variety of different programs, uh, home buyer assistance, land bank, um, asset management of your affordable housing units, uh, new construction development, single family uh, programs. Uh, maybe you just speak a little bit about what, um, what you guys use this for and um, some of the kind of takeaways and benefits of that. Sure, sure can. So the city of Dallas, we, we have uh, what we call our home improvement programs for repairs and preservation type programs. And so prior to Neighborly, uh, that those applications that were taken and, and, and the city of Dallas is so big, whenever we open our um, application period for re repairs and, and things like that, we will get, you know, upwards of 800 to 1,000 applications. Prior to Neighborly, those applications were manual applications. So you, you're dealing with, you know, tons of paper. Uh, you know, it, it's, just, it's not the greatest process. It's, you know, it's not the best process. It's not efficient. So that, you know, just going through a thousand applications, looking at eligibility, looking at other documents, you know, uh, ownership documents, insurance documents, you know, um, deeds and things like that. So that took a lot of time. So we had to find innovative, cost-efficient ways to process applications because we, we just couldn't get through a thousand applications. Yeah. So luckily we, we, we met with Neighborly, we, we, we implemented that new software. And so now the city, now we're able to use Neighborly software for online applications for those families that can use online applications or they have family members that can utilize the software. We, we provide the, the hard copy application for those that may not have access 
to that, but using Neighborly has certainly streamlined our process. And for us to get through those applications, to check income verifications, to to let families know where they stand as it relates to the repairs or the rehab, the rehabs on their property. So it's definitely uh, changed the way we work. We work smarter and not harder. And so that's only one aspect of it. The other program that we utilize neighborly for that I can talk about is through our first time home buyer program. Instead of having those buyers coming coming down to City Hall to fill out applications, those buyers can go online to our city's website and complete the application for the first time home buyer grant. And so all that information is there and we and we actually can review documents. We can uh, you know, some, some requests for additional documents through the software. Uh, lenders can review that information as well. So it's definitely changed the way we work in our department across all of our programs, both home buyer, homeowner, all that good stuff. So we're definitely proud to be part of the Neighborly family. Yeah, we're so happy to have you as well. And um, uh, let's uh what would what advice would you just kind of last question um what advice would you give um we back to the kind of the, you know as this the industry is adding new and new you know new and younger people to it um where would you recommend that they go and find you know training because uh, you know training these new <clears throat> folks in this industry is certainly important and do you have any recommendations on where they can go to find out more information about these programs, how, where they can receive some training, things like that? Sure. I'm definitely going to highlight the National Community Development Association, NCDA. Uh, NCDA has been, has been just uh, very impactful in my career as it relates to public sector, federal programs, and just federal grants administration. Uh, I've been part of NCDA for a number of years, I would say for at least uh, eight to 10 years now. Uh, right now, I'm on the National Board of Directors. I serve as co-chair of the Technology Subcommittee. I also work with Vicki Watson, the, uh, the Executive Director and President of NCDA. I uh, work with her on social media and things like that for the organization. So I'm very, very keen on what NCDA does. And, and the benefits that it provides to those who who are practitioners in this field. So if anyone is looking to get into federal grants or if, or if you're currently in grants and, and you want to know more, you want to make sure that you're up to date on the latest regs, the latest things, best practices, what other cities are doing, I highly encourage you to become a member of NCDA. It's a great organization. We have conferences throughout the year. We have a winter conference in January, February in Washington, D.C. We have an annual conference during the month of June, which will be filled with, you know, all types of sessions, uh, all types of grant sources. And basically, it's just a, uh, it's an organization where you can network and you can network with your peers and learn from other cities that may be doing the same thing you're doing or they may be doing something different. And you can kind of bounce ideas off of each other and bring ideas back to your city, implement those ideas that you can implement in your city, and, and I think it, it's, it's just a great organization to be a part of. Um, in Texas, we we have the Region Six, which is which is a regional form of NCDA, and we meet yearly during the month of October with Region Six, with those cities and states that are part of Region Six, such as Texas, Louisiana, Oklahoma, Arkansas, New Mexico. We all meet regionally during the month of October. So. 
national, regional, I highly suggest NCDA membership. You can't go wrong with NCDA. I completely agree. I've been there many, many times, many years, received training myself as a practitioner from NCDA. And yeah, would, would certainly recommend that as well. Um, Darwin, it's it's always a joy to to speak with you and see you in person. Unfortunately, we're doing this, you know, uh, remotely, but um, I look forward to seeing you at an upcoming conference and um, and you know, just one one thing that I'm I I think is amazing about you that most people might not know, but uh, you're also in music ministry at your church. Am I correct? Tell us a little about that. You are correct. I am. I am. I am what they call a, a minister of music at my church. So I oversee the music ministry. I have about uh, three to four choirs, praise team, musicians, staff. Uh, and basically my, my role is to uh, deal with the worship planning of, of, the, of the weekly worship services at my church and, and worship planning for special events as it relates to music ministry at my church. And I've been doing that pretty much all my life i know for at least 25 years or more so it's something yeah. that it was a gift that i was blessed with uh i can read music and i just enjoy it and it's just something that i do along with being in public service and federal grants administration well you're a class act darwin thank you so much for being a part of our <laughs> podcast uh, i love you and uh look forward to seeing you soon and um, I'll uh, turn it back to Natalie um, and uh, let, let our, well before before I go I want to just if anybody wants to connect with you Darwin how, uh, how would they connect with you either through LinkedIn or do you uh, do you prefer uh, just a general email to your your city account or what do you recommend? Sure I'll give them I'll give you all of that so I am on LinkedIn it's Darwin Wade you can find me that's my first name last name Darwin Wade I'm on LinkedIn I'm on Facebook. Uh, if you, I'm on Twitter, Darwin Wade on Twitter, first name, last name. If you'd like to email me, my work email address is darwin.wade at dallas.gov, darwin.wade at dallas.gov. And also I'd like to throw in this plug real quickly, uh, for those who are listening and they are looking for training, I will be, uh, facilitating the training with NCDA and, uh, in, in the fall, if you're going to be looking to attend like home basics. If you sign up for the home basics, basics course in the fall during the months of October and November, I will be co-facilitating that training. So I look forward to anyone that's going to sign up for that training through NCDA, home basics. And maybe they'll get a little, uh, you know, some singing training from you, you know, to get the voice lessons maybe. Or... <laughs> we could do that as well. <laughs> well, Darwin, thank you so much, man. Uh, take care. Um, I'm going to pass this back to Natalie to let uh, our listeners know where they can find this episode. And uh, thanks so much. Thank you, Marty. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.